0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Blended. I'm joined by another brand new group of professionals who are bringing their authentic selves to conversations that matter. And today we're talking about the differences between what men and women have to think about when they're out living their lives. Many of you will have seen memes or articles shared on social media with some of these differences. For example, on a night out, a woman might consider what she wears, only go out in groups, meet people in public places, be careful not to drink too much, cover her drink to make sure no one puts anything in it, message her friends to let them know she got home safe. Meanwhile, a guy can just go out. And that is the same for everything from going for a jog to finding a parking space, even choosing a place to live. But it's not something that's talked about a lot because for many women, it's just a fact of life. We just get on with it and many men might not even realize the things we have to think about on a daily basis. So that got me thinking about what's happening in the workplace. What are women having to do or think about versus men? And how is that impacting the organizations we work for, our industry, and ultimately the progress of diversity, equity, and inclusion? So I am welcoming to the show, David, Graham, Lisa, Akshay, and McKenna, who are going to share their experiences and advice with us today. So I appreciate you all for joining me. Let's get started with some introductions. Can you each tell me who you are, what you do, and how you identify? Lisa, let's start with you.
1: Hello, my name is Lisa Jones. I'm the founder and CEO of IML Inc., uh, we are a marketing technology that enables video and email experiences. I identify as a Black female tech innovator.
0: Love that. Thank you so much for joining us. And you were recently the recipient of a blended pledge grant. And Absolutely. Yeah, we're so excited about that. You got a lot of opportunity at the conference that you went to. So, yes, thank so you much so much for being that, of being a recipient. Awesome. Akshay, you're next.
2: Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Akshay. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Terminal Forty Nine. Uh, we're building software to automate global trade. Specifically, we help automate container tracking. And I identify as a male. I'm in California. Uh, I got. I'm a. I'm a dad, and uh, I'm learning how to be a better dad and also a better partner. It, it's it's tough to run a startup and and have a kid. Have basically have two startups. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, that's my that's who I am.
0: Awesome! And I'm so glad we were able to get you finally on a blended episode. Actually, and I have known each other for quite a while, so I can't wait for this convo. Graham, you're next.
3: I'm Graham Robbins. I'm in Vancouver, British Columbia. I'm the owner of Ana Customs Brokers and Border Buddy, which are customs brokers that help importers and exporters get their their products across borders. Uh, I'm a, a, a privileged white male. I'm not afraid to say that, but I, that's how I feel sometimes. And uh, my sort of life is my family. I've got four children, uh, 14 and under, and spend most of my time with them. And then when I'm not doing that, I'm ha- hanging out in old cars, cruising around with no agenda and nowhere to go.
0: <laughs> nice. And just so everybody knows, Graham was the inspiration for this particular episode when we had breakfast. In Vancouver, <laughs> when I was there for the um, the Health Food Association uh, conference, he came to the hotel and we were in the restaurant, had breakfast. Actually, I think I had breakfast with um, uh, somebody else before you. Mm-hmm. So we had a couple of breakfast meetings that morning, but he talked to me about this list that he was sent and he didn't realize how much women had to think about versus men until he saw this list and i think the list was like this really long list and then there was one thing for a guy so thank you graham for being here thanks for being the inspiration
4: thank you all right mckenna you're up next hi i'm mckenna hassey i'm a sprint car driver um i'm based out of indianapolis i've also been on american ninja warrior and i have a couple motorsports related foundations youth racers of america And Compass Racing Development. I'm also an entrepreneur investor and do some different side businesses. I'm a 26-year-old white female, um, originally from Des Moines, Iowa, and moved to Indianapolis four years ago. Cool.
0: We're excited for you to be here, too, because you've got an interesting perspective (laughs) with your industry. We talk about supply chain being male-dominated. Well, yours is very male-dominated, so we'll get to that. All right, David, last but not least,
5: Hi, I'm Dave Newberry. I'm the founder or founder of Whirlwind. Um, it's a platform that uh, tries to make it easier and for users or consumers to discover and support brands that are making a positive impact on communities and the planet. Um, I'm a uh, a white male, and I am a father of twins. So talk about having multiple jobs. Um, and I would propose a a tagline at the end of this podcast that is kind of the companion is. Um, What men should be thinking about, but aren't. Um, (laughs) That's a good one. Thanks for
2: having me.
0: (laughs) That's a good one. We're definitely gonna be talking about that. So I was recently at Home Delivery World, and it was a great event in Philadelphia. But every time I go to a conference or a show, it kind of has me thinking about the very different experiences that women have at these events versus men. I've had some very negative experiences in, in the past, and I know many other women have as well. And we've actually touched on it previous in previous episodes of Blended. And so we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this. I know that I was talking to somebody who was at a conference, I believe last year, and she got followed to her hotel room. And, uh, because the guy came up in the elevator and followed her and it was a terrifying experience, but you know, these are just some of the things that we have to think about. So let's kick it off with some experiences. Now, Graham, you came to me with this list. So talk to me about your experience and what, like, talk to us about this list. Cause nobody can see the list. Cause this is audio only, but talk to us about your experience of, you know, how this came about and why you thought this was important.
3: You know, okay, so I have uh, two young daughters, and uh, I, I guess I was thinking a lot about, I always think about their safety, health and safety, and all of that, and and this list was was a conversation once where it, it did come from sort of, it goes back a couple of years when the Me, the Me Too movement came out, and it was sort of like front and center, and then a lot of stuff was circulating, and and the beginning of the list. I'll just read a couple things off it, by the way. It was sort of like, um, you know, what do you have to do when you're out? Um, like, what do you have to think about when you're alone as a woman at night? And I'll just go through the list real quickly. It says, hold my keys as a potential weapon. Check the back seat before getting in the car. Always carry a cell phone. Don't go jogging at night. Lock the windows when I sleep, even on hot nights. Be careful not to drink too much. Never put my drink down and come back to it. And then the list for the guys side is. Nothing. I don't think about it. So like, so I was like, it was very striking to me. And so it just kind of was interesting. So now I talk to women about it um, and especially in sales and in, uh, I've talked to women that have been like on a sales call and being sort of proposition. Uh, and I'm like, what? like, you know, that's never happened to me. <laughs> and, and so it's very interesting to, to have the discussions and learn about like as a leader, in our organizations and in our families, what we can do to maybe talk about it a bit more and try to teach right from wrong. And, and there's so much to, I, I'll stop in a second, but there's so much to go on here because I've had people at my own company who have met at my company as employees and are happily married because they met at my company and I've had a sexual harassment case at my company. Mm. So both of those started with men asking the girl out. (laughs) One went well (laughs) and they're very happy still. And one didn't go well. So Mm -hmm. like what happened and what's, what's that big difference. And that's, what's got me kind of going hmm, a lot.
0: Well, and those are really great scenarios. And I'm glad that you shared that because at the end of the day, nobody wants to go to a workplace and be harassed or, you know, like women have to think about that. Like if I wear this, short skirt to work, or maybe it's not a short skirt. Maybe it's just above my knees. You know, what kind of attention am I going to get? And I was recently watching a Dr. Phil episode. I know Dr. Phil. Anyways, he was talking about uh, women's outfits and whether they're sexualized and whatever. And a lot of the, the women or the young women were saying, I should be able to wear whatever I want and it shouldn't be sexualized. And we need to teach men at a young age and blah, 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 blah. Um, but it was very interesting, right, in the fact that we are very judged no matter what we're thinking about or if we weren't thinking that morning and we just got dressed, the backlash and the things that sort of happen throughout the day when that happens. So I appreciate you for sharing that. Lisa,
4: what's yes, your also experience is thinking. thinking
1: thinking about the uh, the workplace for women it's also thinking about what you wear how you communicate even if you wear a particular shade of lipstick mm. in, in some environments right it might be perceived as that's too bold you know when it, when I was in corporate America before I became a, a full-time CEO for myself um, there was kind of like a rule an unspoken rule that you couldn't have color on your hands which are your nails which now I have blue which you all can't see but it's blue here uh and I wear a red lipstick and that's because I'm being authentically me and the more opportunities you have to be authentically you the better you can represent uh and represent in support of customers but that was a a big stigma in thinking about uh should I wear pink today should I wear cheetah can I not wear cheetah should my hair be up should my hair be down is that gonna (laughs) You know, all these thoughts that go through our minds as women, but they're all real for us.
0: They're so real. I mean, imagine men on this call standing in front of the mirror every single morning, second guessing all of your decisions and choices for just your clothing for that day. And then we wonder sometimes why people get overwhelmed having to make decisions throughout the day. And it's because it starts with
1: so many Exactly. For us, right? Exactly. And who says that you have to put on a blue suit? Are we, I mean, women are not trying to be men. If you want to wear a blue suit that's a pantsuit or a dress suit, whatever the case may be, that's your choice. But you should have more options than what's the standard for what is considered professional.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I go back to one of Graham's comments on the sales side. So I was propositioned. This guy was married. I was married. And he was like, okay, well, if you want to talk about it, you have to come down for the weekend without your husband. Oh, wow. And then, and then you can get like, we'll talk about you getting the sale. And I was like, okay, so my husband can come with me. We'll make a weekend of it. (laughs) He was like, no, no, your husband's not invited. I was like, oh, then no, sorry. I don't need your business, but thanks. Thanks.
3: So I guess I, what I wonder about some of those things is, you know, there, there's a couple of conversations here, but, you know, I've seen in the news, even in the last three months where, you know, a student was told they weren't allowed to wear something. And the reasoning was, it's too distracting for the teacher. So they're basically saying that most likely a male teacher can't control themselves or something by what you're wearing. And then to to, to your point, Sarah, is like, where that person has probably gotten away with this before maybe has probably done this before. Cause usually if, if you try this five times and you get turned down every five times, you're probably not continually doing it, but this is what I'm trying to figure out is where does that start from where this stuff becomes okay? Uh, you know, to, to basically like, I don't even know what the word is. Like what, 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 how would you describe that person? Like, what what do you think about when you think about that person that did that to you, Sarah? Oh,
0: that asked me to come for the weekend.
3: Yeah, what, what, is this oh, a, he was like dead to me. Just
0: I don't think about him ever again.
3: <laughs> is that the word? Is it a creeper? is it like just- Oh
0: yeah, that slide? was definitely a creeper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
3: How does that kind of get out there and, and that behavior kind of continually permeate?
0: Oh, because then you have conversations with other people and you drop his name and you drop his company name and you're like, oh, this is what he did to me. So, you know, let's just make sure that we spread the word. Not publicly, but quietly. Because that's what we need to do. We need to look out for each other, right? Akshay, you are nodding your head all over the place. Talk to us.
2: Uh, so I, I'm kind of making this observation as a, as a father and like just like a, of young kids. And maybe the programming is happening at a really young age. If We just look at the color blue and pink, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we start associating... Like if you're you know, if you're a female, if you if, if you're a girl, then you should you know you, people are start stop stopping and doing like announcements of uh, of like the sex at, at, even before the kid is born because they don't want to create the situation. Not everybody, but like I've seen this more and more often, at least in my friend's circle, because they they don't want to stereotype like the color and the gender, right? And so i I, I think a lot of these associations start forming continuously as the person becomes older and older. And whether it's like, you should be wearing heels certain, you know, you should dress a certain way in a professional setting. That's like happening at, an, at a younger age. So I think us being aware at an early stage and thinking twice when we make a choice around how people should look like or what they should wear in our own home, mm-hmm. like giving the kid you know, the kids don't like my son will wear like all sorts of things. And it, people make comments around like maybe that's the grandparents. I don't blame them. They're programmed a certain way, right? Like, hey, should he be wearing a skirt or should he be wearing like, you know, a ponytail? And maybe there's an opportunity to catch them. It's like, why should he not? Like why couldn't right. why can't he? Um and the, I think the good the good news is, it is there is a lot of awareness around that's uh, at least in my circle. So I'm hoping like that is, you, you know, unanimous around the country and the world where we should let people, we should decouple like appearance and sex and, you know, genders and like kind of yeah. b- break those walls down. Um, and that's gives me hope for the future. Because it's very challenging to change adults and, and like their brain yeah. and, and, and how they think about it. But so, I, but I, I'm hopeful that we will break apart these stereotypes and these rules and expectations that we have from people um, in the long term.
0: Well, and I think that's a good point, right? If we can start younger in educating in a variety of different ways. I mean, we can't talk about the educational system because that is a whole nother episode. Um, But if we can do it a little bit younger and talk about some of these things, maybe some of the thoughts and the conditioning that we have as women thinking about what we have to wear and our safety and all that kind of stuff can also be changed as well.
2: I will say one more thing. Sorry, before I – this is actually really top of mind because I just started watching the show Diplomat. I don't know if anybody's watched it, but it's about a female diplomat, like, uh, between America and England, and she does not care what she looks like. Mm -hmm. And they they go deep into that theme of, like – because there's obviously expectations of pantsuit and how you should present yourself, especially if you're, like – you know, in England, you have to dress up somewhat, you know, yeah. a certain way and like be on Vogue. And she's like, no, no. Her hair is all over the place. And like, she's she will only mess. wear gray. <laughs> she's a bit of a mess. And she makes it a point like, why should it matter? And I think that's, it's, it's good to, it's kind of come up in shows here and there, but I'm, I'm great. It's great to see they're going deeper into that and, you know, giving her the place just to keep her, keep her foot on, you know, uh, so she, she could. She can express herself in the way that she wants. And why should it matter?
0: Well, It challenges a lot of people. Showing that it's okay. So Graham, I'm going to come to you. And then McKenna, I'm coming to you for some experiences. Graham.
3: Yeah, I I guess what I heard from you, though, Sarah, is you said that, you know, you quietly uh, sort of spread this around about somebody that's a creep or whatever. And I guess what I'm kind of wondering is, like, if you talk about digital platforms and things like that, whether it's eBay Uh, or a glass door or whatever, there's a public forum for trust. So people on eBay get rated the buyer Mm -hmm. and the seller. And you can only continue to be a good buyer and seller if your ratings are good. So you want to, it promotes good behavior. So I guess what I'm wondering is, and, you know, I'm just, just sort of thinking as you were saying that is that anytime something happens where somebody gets called out, so somebody gets called out and then we see it on like TMZ or the, the the news or whatever, someone gets called out as, as acting offside. All of a sudden there's like eight other people that come after that. Right. Yeah. Because, because it's now kind of safe that now mm-hmm. this we know that this person is like this and now I'm, cause if, if you're the first one, that's a heavy hit. That's mm-hmm. hard to, to do that. It so is. I guess what I think of is I think of like, imagine some sort of reporting system where you're, you're grabbing the person's LinkedIn profile and you're, you're like copy and pasting it and saying this person at this event followed me to my hotel room um, and it's somehow known, you know, that it's like, and I mean, I'm just throwing something out there again. I guess what's happened is so much of this is hidden in shame In I can't be the one to call that person out. It could, it could wreck a deal for me or, you know, those types of things that you th- that, that come up, but there's really no reporting system.
0: No. And I don't think it's necessarily shame. I think a lot of part times too, is there's some legal ramifications, right? Like calling somebody out, it could be defamatory and could lead to all sorts of different things. So there's a lot of things around that. And I guess for me, I mean, at that point in time, I think I was early twenties. So that was like early 2000s. So that was way before you know, me too movement or anything like that. And you just sort of sucked it up and moved on. I mean, you know, not the ideal and not what should happen, but that's kind of how, you know, I grew up. And as long as something didn't go any further than that, you know, what are you going to do about it? So McKenna, talk to us about your experiences. You are in a very male dominated industry. Talk to us about what you've experienced, what you have to think about maybe more than your male counterparts.
4: Yeah, I think what's funny is listening to you guys is like what I feel like I can most relate to is stuff outside of racing. Ironically, like I feel like, especially at my age now in racing, I mean, I've been in the sport most of my life, like it's a kind of a niche group of people, you know, so you kind of know everybody. And I feel like, especially like I said, compared to when I was like 18, like now I'm 26. And so I think people kind of know now like where I stand like with, you know, like I've never dated my entire adult life, right? And when I go to the track, like I'm there to race. And I feel like I've made that message pretty clear now. Mm. Um throughout the pits to where I don't feel like guys, you know, approach me as much um you know as they used to and even if they do, I feel like I'm a lot more mature when it comes to like shutting people down and like kind of setting my own boundaries. I think when you're younger, it's a little bit more challenging because especially if they're a lot older than you or something like it's a little bit more nerve wracking to say like, you know, no, or whatever. Um, But I think just some of the daily stuff, like you were talking about, like just with safety and that kind of thing, you know, I think even with my race shop was something that came to mind is like, I don't always love to be, well, or more so my parents don't love for me to be in the shop super late at night. Like I live here in Indy by myself. My, I don't have any family in the state. And then, like I said, I'm single. And so like, I live at home alone like I work in the shop a lot alone. Um, Like I don't have any full-time mechanics or anything like that. And so just things like that, or even just like who comes to the shop. Like sometimes I think about like, oh, I'd love to host like more events or like I have a foundation where we do stuff for teenagers. And it's like, well, I'd love to have, you know, more people like be able to come to the shop. But I'm just from a security standpoint, and like common sense standpoint, like that might not always be, you know, the safest thing. And just, um, so for me, even in that case, like it also, I feel like it's almost equally a single thing as much as it is like a female thing, just because it's one thing to be like female. But then if you don't have like a spouse or family or whatever, like then that is different because then you're sitting here thinking, like, well, would I ever get a dog someday or something yeah. like that? You know, like whatever that looks like. Um, but I also think it's important to look at like not just the what, but the why. Because I think like when it comes to these topics, it's easy for people to get like very defensive and be like, you know, and I don't even think it necessarily has to be like a bad thing. I mean, I think when you even look at people with bad intentions, right? Like, well, where does that come from? I mean, like people are designed to love, you know, and like people like have kids somehow, you know? And so it's like, how do we do that in a way that's like healthy and like both parties are you know, having good intentions and everything like that, because ultimately, like, that's what creates healthy relationships. And ultimately, that's what she, we should be seeking. And so I think sometimes, like pointing out, like, like, a, you can point out differences, which is like, kind of what we're talking about, like, here's all the things women have to think about. I don't think men have to necessarily look at that and get defensive and be like, well, actually, you know, cause I feel like that is something that I hear, you know, sometimes for men is like, they get real antsy and defensive, like, if ever they feel like they're under attack, like, on these, kinds of things and it's like it doesn't really necessarily have to be like that I think it more so just comes down to like sometimes it's okay to even honor like wow like I didn't know you guys had to think about all that like and like use that as a way of like respecting women like wow that's you know like we honor women for what it's like when you hear men honor their wife when they like have a baby like you hear that a lot where you know like wow she like you know is an amazing mom and did all this have this baby and so I think like sometimes it's okay to look at like, why are these things an issue? Because typically there's like a healthy backside to it of like, you know, this is, this can be a positive, like in this, you know? Yeah. And so I think for me, it does, I feel like there's always that healthy balance of like, like I went to a business college where we did have a dress code and um, some days it was business casual, some days it was business professional. And like on business professional days, like everybody had to be in suits. Casual days was like pretty strong business casual and I remember in college, like all the girls would be like, darn it. Like the guys had it so easy because they could buy like a really cool pair of business shoes and like a few button-ups, you know, and they would always look so good. And then the girls like you're in college. So it's not like, Hey, you don't have a ton of money to buy a whole wardrobe of really, you know, beautiful business clothes. And so we kind of ended up looking like a little frumpy, you know, or at least I felt like I looked that way. And, you know, but I think like, the the positive side of that and this is something I always try to remind myself because I think about this in racing sometimes like especially with my hair or whatever it's like gosh like these guys have it so easy but the positive side is like you do have like the opportunity to be a little bit more um like it might be easier for the guy to just throw on the button up but if he wants to like really look like really dress up then they're kind of limited right but for me right. like something I look forward to is like yes I look like a dumpy little mechanic most most days and like don't look super cute by any means. But like, if I do ever get the opportunity to go to a banquet or to go to a nice event, it is kind of fun to like, dress up and to do your hair and to do your makeup. And then it's like that transformation is more drastic than like, say a guy. And so I think there's like, just those pros and cons of like, yes, this might be like more work or whatever. But then there's also, you know, this side to it. And so I think it just kind to like, how do you balance that and just, you know, um, what like is comfortable for you, I guess
0: that is, those are such great points and i want to point out a couple of things that you said because you talked about wanting to have um an event for one of your foundations in your own space and the fact that you have to ask yourself all of these different questions in regards to your safety actually impedes you from moving your foundation forward, because at the end of the day, instead of doing it in a space that you already own or you're renting or something like that, you would have to go spend additional money to go and do it outside of that. And it also, um, I think about influencers when, when you just talked about that. So a lot of influencers will not post a picture on Instagram stories until two days after they've left that location. Because if they put it in the moment that they're in that location, they actually get stalked. By people online, and so those are also things when we think about social media that, uh, especially female influencers, have to think about because people actually go to that location, stalk them, and then ruin whatever it is that they're doing in that particular place. So I appreciate you for sharing that, David. I'm going to bring you into this conversation. We've talked about a lot. What do you think? Share with us.
5: Um, well, I think from you know the professional setting or even. Sort of the 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 word professional. Um so much of it is is rooted in, you know, we're talking centuries, millennia of one type of person being in charge of things, right? So uh, as a middle-aged white man, what I decide was professional, like that has been that that developed a certain standard. And so if it doesn't look like me, then it gets it gets treated as not being professional or not being what should happen in the office. And that's just that's just wrong. And in the you know, office composition um needs to reflect the people that are there and not just mm-hmm. the views and the the sort of cultural inertia that that's that's come with it that is the you know based based on discrimination and, and racist practices and sort of control of power structures. And so um I think we just need to examine because it's so easy to just say, okay, well. Professional means that you wear a suit and a tie and things. And then, so you say, oh, wait, oh, well, we're going to have, uh, there'll be women in the office and they can't, maybe they shouldn't wear size. So let's come up with with theirs. And and that would be, by the way, you know, a middle-aged white man <laughs> coming up with what those things are, right? Um, so there's so much around it. That's just, I think it's just sort of um, cultural inertia and that needs to be examined um one so that those the, the you know that that uh you know 7am standing in front of the mirror having that um that difficult discussion with yourself about what you should do that should just stop happening but um but instead just being being like what should my office look like it needs to represent me and we need to make sure that the the we're listening to those um to those voices and i think um i, I don't know i think so much of it again goes back to just inertia and um, historical power structures. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, um, it's it's things that, you know, it, once you're in, the, you know, when you're on a moving train, it doesn't feel like you're moving, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in, in some cases, right? Like, um, so I think I think it's just part of, we just need to examine and be conscious of how we got to where we are and examine all of the things that underpin that. Well,
0: and what are the conversations that we have to have with each other on a regular basis? I mean, you talked about, you know, suit. Well, I wore a pantsuit to a conference last week, but I also wore Air Force Ones because I've got some custom Let's Talk Supply Chain Air Force Ones. And also I had green nice. pants and I had, you know, <laughs> Air Force Ones and I was on stage because at the end of the day, you know, I'm almost 43. <laughs> I don't want to be in heels all day. I can't be in heels all day. And but in my head... That is what I should be wearing, our heels, because that's how I've grown up and that's what a professional businesswoman <laughs> wears. She kills her feet the whole day because she has to wear heels. And this year I've been like, nope, <laughs> I am gonna buy some lifestyle shoes that are comfortable and I don't really care. And sometimes I'll wear it heels. If I feel like it, I'll put them on before the stage, I'll take them off and then put my runners back on.
1: <laughs> Lisa? Sarah, do you feel as as well as uh, McKenna, do you feel if you don't have earrings on or if your ears are not pierced, you're missing a key component of your day of going out? Like earrings matter too, in some degree. I'm just curious if you all have found that. Like my mom, my ears were pierced before I was a teenager. So that means she made a conscious choice to go do it. And I know in some cases with family, it's an issue of, is that a boy or a girl? And so women will go get their daughter's ears pierced just for that Distinct mm-hmm. point. So I wanted to get your perspectives on that.
0: So I don't actually wear earrings pretty much. Oh, wow. ever. I think I only wear earrings twice a year. Is that right? Nobody <laughs> can see them anyways because I wear my hair down. <laughs> and the other part of it is I do not do my fingernails. You don't? No, nope, never. Good never. for you. I have Good I have beautiful you. nails, but if I do shellac, it takes me three months to get them back to where they need to be, and I don't have time to keep changing the color of my nails. So, got it so McKenna which I just
4: will not do <laughs> yeah it's funny you say that my mom like my whole life she always say like don't forget your earrings you know but like it just depends for me like if I am getting dressed up quote unquote nice my version of nice then I do like enjoy wearing earrings just because my ears are pierced and I feel like it look it looks like obvious without them because my hair is usually pulled back um but on a daily basis like I'm typically working on race cars and so right Like I'm very much so like dressed down on a day and I'm also an athlete, so I train a lot. And so even jewelry in general, like I can't, especially when I was doing American Ninja Warrior, like I have this like wrench ring um, that I wear every day, but even that, like I would have to take off in case it got caught like in an obstacle or something. And so, um, but for me, like, again, I think it's about balance and like judgment just because I think if we try our best at just like being our, like they always say like, when you look good, you feel good, you know? And I think there can be truth to that if it's in like a loving way, you know, like loving ourselves. And so I think like, it's okay to, you know, um, like clean up, you know what I'm saying? And like to feel good and like look good and that kind of thing, especially if like the environment, you know, provides that, like, like I said, for me, I'm typically wearing black pants, black t-shirt you know yeah. like they're in a ponytail with a hat on type mechanic stuff like same thing my nails are usually covered in grease like um <laughs> but it doesn't mean though that I look at women who I mean I admire women who like have the ability to just like like I watch some girls either makeup or whatever and I'm just like man like that's like an art like you're really good at that and that's just not necessarily like a talent that's on my heart like I wouldn't maybe take the time to watch videos on like how to do all that but I do feel mm-hmm. like that's something that Like some people are just talented at and they enjoy doing it. Like it's a passion of theirs. And for me, it's like, my passion is working on cars. And like, now would I show up to a sponsor meeting though? Like straight out of the shop looking like that? Like probably not. Like I'd probably want to clean up and like present myself in a way that looks, you know, professional appropriate, like for the Mm -hmm. given setting. And so I think it just depends on like what's on your heart in terms of, you know, like trying your best for what you feel is appropriate. Just to build on that,
0: so there's a lady on Instagram called Lady uh, Lainey Molner, and uh, she actually did a video a couple of weeks ago that um, said all the different products that women have to buy on a monthly basis with the price tag and, like, added it up to what it was, mm-hmm. and I think, because she's in Europe, I think it ended up being, like, 900 euro a month or something like that, wow. because it was, like... You know, nails, it was eyelashes, it was eyebrows, it was like Mm -hmm. all your face stuff. And then you've got like body lotion. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, Graham goes to the store and picks up a bar of Dove and he's like good to go.
1: (laughs) But you know, here's part of it too. Here's part of it too that's really real. Part of that experience of going to buy all of these products is because part of it is aging. We as women think about that. Oh, we think about aging. We think about is our partner, man, husband, whatever the case may be, is he going to potentially find somebody more attractive? Because we know that men are visual. Now I'm having real talk here. We we think about these things. <laughs> so we go buy products. We we go if we have the babies. It's a pressure to lose that weight yes. because you want. You got to get back to that size. He's, or he might be like, why have you not lost the weight yet? Whatever the case may be. But there's a lot of subconscious or unconscious, I don't know what type of conscious it is, that exists around what we're talking about now with aging. And
0: all the guys on this call are like, what is happening right
3: now? <laughs> I, have, I have a perspective on this. Like, yeah. you mentioned earrings, going back to the earrings comments. So my daughter wanted earrings at a young age, and I was against it. And so I kind of fought with my wife and my daughter on. I'm not fought but it. I'm like... Maybe when you're ten, maybe when you're eleven. So finally, when she was thirteen, she got earrings. And and I'm trying to think. As you were talking about it, I'm like, why is that? Why did I, why did I kind of not want to do it? And I think, it, you know, it's her body and and kind of her choice. But at not at eleven, I don't think it really. Some things should be should be kind of delayed a bit in the choice realm,
0: like and cell phones.
3: Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, <laughs> well, you know, just thinking about it while you were talking about it. And you know, a lot of it, I think and this is my perspective, and I'm gonna get hammered for this, but I tend to think that women do this for each other more than the men. So in other words, and, and, and so what Lisa was kind of talking about, like my, my wife has never had any Botox, right? And I'm, I'm really against it. I'm like, babe, don't start putting stuff in your face. And, but I know that the circle of friends do, and I have nothing against it. Like I'm not judgmental on it. But what happens is, guess what? You go for lunch with all your girls, who have the fresh face because they've all got (laughs) Botox or whatever it is that, and like we are, not guys aren't looking at each other's eyebrows and and the little stress line in between here and stuff. (laughs) And I've had these conversations, right? So um, I'm trying to think like, is that for me? Because I love you the way you are. Uh, I don't want, you know, I know what I married and everything like that. And I, I don't want you to do a whole bunch of changes, but I think it's, I think it's pressure in the like female to female a lot and well I have that.
0: so in saying that i'm going back to the dr phil episode that i just watched and they were like who do you dress for and so right. some women were like i dress for myself and some women were like well i dress for myself and i dress for my husband
3: but was anyone I dressed for the girls to compliment me?
0: And some of them were like, I dressed for my girlfriends and the LGBTQIA plus community because they're, they're into fashion, right? They're Instagram influencers. So they're putting their, their um, outfits on the gram.
3: Yeah. Um, I, I and so it's... My wife dresses nice. She's going to get more compliments from women than men because mm. she's married. We're together. Not a lot of guys are gonna go up and say, I love your dress. Like that doesn't happen a lot, but the females, it's left, right, and center, right? Oh my gosh, where'd you get that dress? Love that dress, love your hair, love your earrings, love right. all the stuff you're talking about. Yeah. But that, that's usually not coming from a guy. A guy might see it and like it, but it's yeah. usually not complimenting a lot on but it.
0: But it's interesting how the things that we think about, right? And who we're actually doing it for. So there's a couple of contexts here, right? What does society put on us? What do we put on ourselves? And what do we decide for ourselves that matter and what doesn't matter? And that's influenced not only by ourselves, but our environment and who the the people that we're around. Somebody just raised their hand, but I don't know who it was. (laughs) Okay, David, David, go ahead.
5: (laughs) Yeah, I just wanted to comment, you know, you talked about um, the need to buy all of those different products. that adds that just adds an additional burden when you have to start thinking about what's in all of those products, right? So, we've seen you know massive lawsuits on baby powder causing cervical cancer and yeah, um, uh, menstrual products that have toxic elements in them. Um, so many personal care products have um, just a thousand different chemicals that you now have to research and make sure that you're focusing on clean personal care of all of the different things that you just mentioned.
0: So, um, so many that- things you have to think about, not only just buy but like exactly. everything else
5: <laughs> there's resources out there that'll help with that you know that make it better and so i feel like we're making progress on that um but it is still just another list of things that you have to think about um you know that again people who don't use
0: those products just don't just don't think about all right i yeah, want to change a
3: call on video was whether i should shave my face <laughs> or wear a hat or not right <laughs> like that's the only two things i thought about Uh, You know, and so I I feel for women, especially who have, whether it's your own pressure, social pressure, whatever, that all these things you have to do, Uh it's incredible. Like it's unfair.
0: And then it's it's like, it's like, okay, do I want to wear makeup today? Because if I don't want to wear makeup today, I'm going to go on all my Zoom calls and I'm going to tell them it's a no video day. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So I want to change direction of the conversation a little bit. And I want to talk about how what women think about versus men when they go to apply for a job. Because the stats really show, right, that men will apply for a job if they're 70% qualified, whereas the women will only do it unless she hits 95% of the requirements. So what are we saying to ourselves in this particular moment as a guy? What are you saying to yourself when you've got 70% (laughs) of the qualifications? You're like, oh, man, I got this. And if I don't have this right now, I'm going to kill it anyways. And I'm going to get all those skills later. Like, what is it that you're saying to yourself, Akshay, I'm bringing you into this conversation. I know you haven't had to apply for a job in a little bit, but talk to me about what is going through your head when you're like 70% is all I need, man. 70%. Uh, are
2: you talking about, uh, as a guy or
0: as a guy, when you go uh-huh. to apply for a job, most men will apply for a job when you've got 70% of the qualifications, whereas a woman is, will only do it with 95%. So what are you saying to yourself <laughs> that you're like, I got 70% and that's all I need?
2: Uh, I, you you put me in a spot and I actually don't have a good answer for this because <laughs> I haven't thought about it much. So I would say, let, let me think about it for a second and come back to me.
0: Okay. Or even from an employer perspective right? Mm. When you see on a resume that they only qualify 70%, what are you saying to yourself when you're looking at maybe a male candidate versus a female candidate?
2: Yeah, this is a tough one because the the reality is, um, I'll kind of start backwards. Just today, uh, we had our team leads meeting and the ratios are flipped. We've gone We've now we are we have more women in the leadership team than men, which is great. But just a couple months ago, you know, we 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 were actively talking about like how do we fix this? Like we need more women in our team for so many reasons, um, and and you know, diversity, in many different areas, but specifically women. Um, and while focusing on skill set at the same time, so you're trying to like. Mm -hmm. you know trying to deal with these two challenges and on the flip side uh for a lot of the roles especially leadership roles there are the pool of candidates is smaller at least at least the ones that apply um so we have to be more proactive in going out and finding them um i think you know as much as we would like to say interviews are very objective there is a lot of bias in them uh, especially as, as a small company um but the, the the women's point of view is also a skill set that ends up weighing in a conversation. So um, we, we are trying to be objective and focusing on skill and ability for that role. Um, but we are also at the same time trying to make sure we don't, then naturally progress and become like a male-dominated workforce or leadership team. So at least there's a intentional. intentionality behind it.
0: Yeah. At least yeah. you're intentional and you're focused on that. Lisa, when you, because you were in corporate prior to owning your own company, mm-hmm. did you like wait to apply for anything until you had like 94, was it the 70% was the 95%? Like what was going through your head when you would go to apply for a job and talk yourself out of it or maybe talk yourself into it?
1: In my case, I was uh, aggressive uh, in college. I was the person that I'm focused on my four years. I'm going to finish on time. Uh, five months before graduation, I'm going to send out these letters, because at the time we were mailing out letters. So I sent out maybe two or 300. So my top two interviews I secured with one was NASA, and then the second one was with the CIA. And both nice. were within a one-month time frame. So I flew up to Virginia. You know, I passed all the tests and everything, and I had to decide which which career path I wanted to take. And I chose NASA um, to start off with. So in my case, that was my jet set that propelled me forward. And then I transitioned here to Atlanta. Um, so for me, it was, it was a different journey, but it was always trying to figure out a way to have a voice to be heard, uh, to have that seat at the table, right? And and, and sometimes for women, we'll apologize for something instead of saying thanks for your patience. We'll say, oh, I'm sorry, or, you know, I apologize for interrupting or, you know, and then learning to just speak your mind and, and being concise in what you want to say. And lastly, I'll mention about that. They talk about you need to have tough skin. I, I disagree with that only because we should celebrate our differences. Who's to say women want to have tough skin? We can still keep our soft skin and still be effective in our communication and how we deliver it. And we like our soft skin because things can just slide off us when we don't want <laughs> and, and and still proceed forward with the business. So, it, you know, it's just some thoughts there. But in my case, I was bold about the, the communication and still going with the 70%. But I knew my 70 was still 90.
0: <laughs> so that was what was going through your head, That's Rob. What I, I, like, I knew I was on top of my game. Me.
1: I was already on top of my game. So I knew that. So that could have been the mindset of confidence.
0: That's awesome. And um, I just recently recorded an episode about anxiety. And so we talked mm. about vulnerability as a leader. But right. what goes through women's minds when we're thinking about being vulnerable or emotional, right, in a corporate setting or a workplace or whatever, It the connotation from the um, Uh, from the community, like what we've fostered is that it's weak, right? Right. And it's the same thing for men. And so I'd be interested to hear what you men think about this as well. So for women being vulnerable is uh, sometimes in our head, it's perceived as weak. It's not necessarily perceived as weak, but we talked about how leadership is really sharing some of those vulnerabilities um, and sharing the fact that you might be going through anxiety, or you have anxiety, or giving the space for people to be able to talk about it. But a lot of times, we'll talk ourselves out of being vulnerable, right? Because of all the chatter that we have in our head as women, being like, "No, we need to be this, you know, uh-huh. tough person." Da 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 da. da and they're going to judge me and think completely different of me if I let you know that I had a panic attack thirty minutes ago, or I or come not and I your need office- help. Yeah, I oh, need, that you help. need help. Yeah, asking for help, and I think it's kind of the same on both sides. Graham, I want you to weigh in here. What do you think?
3: I think you know what I've sort of found is that like the people that are sort of the most endearing are the people that are vulnerable or wear their heart on the sleeve a bit because mm-hmm. they they're kind of opening up and saying this is what's happened to me. This is how I feel. And how can you help? But but want to support a person like that or or and and so. I think vulnerability is really important in a leadership position. Like what I always, with new hires, I tell a story all the time about this time I screwed up on importing something and it cost our company like $10,000. And, and I think right away, they're kind of like, oh, wow, like you, you make mistakes. And it's like, yeah, you know, we make lots of mistakes here, you know, and and we always, I use a lot of quotes in my company just so they're not forgotten. It's sort of like, you know, the same mistake twice is a bad, bad thing, but like, Making mistakes is part of the journey and figuring things out. So being vulnerable about mistakes, about weaknesses, uh, I think is super important that leaders share that. Because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times you think that the person at the top of the company or a a manager never makes mistakes. That's why they got there. I I would argue that the reason they're there is because they made a ton of mistakes and they figured it out.
0: So how do you, what goes through your mind, let's say, if, you know, somebody comes to you and they're feeling a little bit vulnerable, maybe they're crying about something or they've just come to you and been like, I have a panic attack. What goes through your mind so that, you know, when people do go through that and they go to their leadership, they have an idea of, because they're already judging themselves, right? Are you judging them? What's going through your mind on that as a, as a male owner of a business?
3: Yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll be a little vulnerable here. So what I always find as I go, I, the first thing I think about is what else is going on in their life. So mm-hmm. my mom passed away on June twenty fifth, and so this is a really bad time of the year for me. I hate this time. It's like this weird built in rhythm of my mom was slowly dying right now, mm-hmm. and I kid you not, June twenty sixth, it's like it's actually like a lighter day for me. So I share some of these stories inside the company to let them know that like. Being in a bad mood is not weird. <laughs> like having a crappy day and wanting to stay home. Like, do you know how much better it feels to stay home on a Monday when you're supposed to be at work versus a Saturday when you're not supposed to be at work? Yeah. Like a day off on Monday is way better than a day off on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're kind of looking at me shocked and I'm like, yeah, like call in and say I need a day off, right? So I'm always I'm actually always going like, I'm not looking at you like, hey, you weakling, like why are you here upset? I'm going, there's so much going on that I have no idea about and the person's not talking about. Mm-hmm. So let I try to get to that route if they'll let me, like, what else is going on? And they're like, yeah, you know, my, my, my dad's in a nursing home right now. And he, you know, he's kind of being pulled. I haven't been able to get there. I'm like, what are you doing here? Like, go hang out with him. And, and so a lot of people are afraid to talk about that because they're supposed to, I think someone else said earlier, supposed to suck it up, show up and, mm-hmm. and be awesome all the time. And I, th- I just think that's crap. Like, I think, my son had a bad day the other day. He didn't want to go to basketball practice. We say, well, you're supposed to be part of your team. You're supposed to show up for them. And it's like, no, dude, take the time, recharge your batteries. And you'll be like twice as good next Thursday when practice, there'll be another practice. Don't worry about mm-hmm. it. So the, the first thing I think about is what else is behind that?
0: Mm-hmm. McKenna, did you want to jump in here?
4: Um, Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is like, Super on point with this topic, I guess. But it's just kind of where my mind's going. It's just like from a leadership perspective, for me, um, you know, like the the mechanics and the guys I have like helping on my car right now, they're probably uh I hate to say this because I hate to compare, but like probably some of the most respectful that I've ever worked with. Um, but in spite of that, like I still think there's this element of like how do they receive like orders or just like when you're trying to lead a team, like and you lead right and make decisions and make like like that like just orders like how are they going to respond and I think like over the years that's been a really big challenge for me especially when I was younger because I started racing when I was 13 right and then I think my first like official quote-unquote person working for me was when I was like um 18 ish and so from then on like for eight years or whatever and not just within the race team but with other business ventures that I've been a part of like some of the people I've had working for me or with me are, you know, over twice my age. And so I think it creates this element of like, how do you um, lead and communicate in a way that's going to be respected. And fortunately, and unfortunately, like I was raised by men in this industry of mine that were very, very like, um, tough, like very, very cutthroat leaders. And I feel like I thrived under that. And in, in some ways, I mean, in many ways, it was very toxic, don't get me wrong. But in other ways, you know, it was kind of military style, uh, You know directing and I felt like I really was like bring it you know like that's how I thrived well now that I'm kind of in that position more so and and I'm working with others it's like I feel like that rubs off on me to where you know it's like how can I be kind of what Lisa was saying like how can I still be kind like still be respectful like still get the point across like what does um you know what does that look like and so I think that like that's I think for me, what can be challenging is, is, and also just like, how do people take you, right? Like Mm -hmm. for me, I tend to be a naturally more introverted, serious person. um, And especially when I work. And sometimes I feel like, again, like it, 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 for a male, like that might be taken differently than like a female. And so um, I think, and then also to like what Graham was saying, like, it's also different when you're like a younger female leader, when it comes to those things, like what he was talking about, about like, what's going on in their life, like what, what is you know that kind of situation because for me like I'm really you know faith is a big thing for me I'm really connected with different ministry stuff like I I spend a lot of time like helping people with like different resources whether it's like you know counseling for us we do a lot of concussion stuff and racing that kind of thing and so but as a young female like I have to look at boundaries with that right like if I have a male working for me and they have something going on in their life um unfortunately like there's gonna be boundaries there with like how far
0: okay I think we lost McKenna, but when she comes back, she's going to finish that thought. <laughs> David, did you want to jump in on this conversation while we wait for McKenna?
5: Well, I would go back to uh, what Graham was talking about. I think um, having leadership demonstrate vulnerability first, I think, goes a very long way. You can't. It's you can't just say, "Everybody, be vulnerable." I'm great. I'm fine. I have nothing to discuss here. But you all, you all should do that with me and be open. Right. <laughs> You know, um, I think that's that is um in in my experience in in especially like heavily male masculine environments. um i I was in the military for a long time. Um, there's like a perception that um that there, there there you might want to avoid being vulnerable and and whatever else other people might think different things about you. But I've noticed that in places where somebody who is in a leadership position and it doesn't have to be, a, literal leadership, they can just have influence within the group.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Once they start talking about struggle or some kind of vulnerability, it opens up very quickly and it becomes super supportive, but you need somebody to break that. you That ice needs to be broken. That surface tension needs to be disrupted. And then it's very, very quick. And, you know... Um,
0: well, and I think part of those discussions that you have, right? Where you're where somebody has approached you and you're a leader, et cetera, et cetera. I think some of the things that we also need to ask ourselves is not not, you know, what else is going on in their lives, but what is going through their head? What questions are they asking themselves? What's going through their head in this moment that they've actually brought themselves to me to have this conversation? Right. Because that also makes a difference in in respect to us really understanding who they are, why they're here and how maybe you can help them. And that could be a question, right, that you ask is like, what's going on in your head right now? Are you feel how what are you feeling? Like, are you feeling shame? are you feeling, you know, obviously not good if they're having a panic attack or something like that. But, you know, and then the question is, how do I help you? Or how do I help you moving forward? Know that this is a safe space and you can come to me and you don't have to think all of those thoughts. Right, David?
5: Yeah, I agree. And, and, um, it's, it's, you know, a a big focus, um, again, to to bring it back to meet the men, I guess, (laughs) since that's, that's, that's what I'm representing here. But, um, we have a tendency to try to fix things and we, we really need to be open about, do we need to listen or do we need to help, right? And mm. so um, how best to listen and just take that in versus starting to like attack the points like you shouldn't feel this way because of this reason or right. this is can fix that and make that better um, versus just sitting back and saying, I'm going to listen for a while. Do you want me to help? Do you want me to come with solutions or just mm-hmm. you need to just sort of let this, get this out of yourself?
0: Asking them what they need. I don't think we do that enough or, you know, I think we could probably do that way more often. Now, let's talk about safety. Like I brought up conferences um, a couple of times throughout this conversation. And I know for a lot of women, when we go to conferences, and Lisa, you just went to a conference, but I think it was mostly for women. So I don't know if there was any men there, but I definitely go to a lot of conferences, um, you know, and there's expectations, there's obligations, right? There's expectations about networking and potentially having to go have a drink right? And if you don't drink, there's some pressure. You know, there's also safety concerns around, you know, going back to the hotel and potentially being followed or things that like, we have to be very considerate about our, um, the people around us and what that looks like. And, you know, the questions that I ask myself sometimes is, do I have enough time to go back to my hotel room and then go to the place? And then if I don't Uber, is it a safe, Is it safe to walk because they don't really want to take an Uber? It's a nice night. Like, There's so many things you have to think about, Lisa.
1: No, I totally agree 100% with everything you've said. Uh, We do have to be cautious of our surroundings at all times. To your point about going to a conference, right? I'm trying to think of some incidences there that I had to to really focus. In our case, everything was so organized and meticulous. They had the shuttles to take us back for every event. And then we could bring an extra pair of shoes if we needed to, walking a trade room floor all day. is no fun in heels. So they had it where you could wear sneakers all day. So that was great. So I'm just thinking of some incidences where, to your point, you, you just have to spend so much time thinking about different things.
0: You do have to think about different things. And how do we you make this safer? Here. I I saw a post on LinkedIn the other day that talked about how in at one industry conference in supply chain, a bunch of women got, you know, hit on. Right? Mm-hmm. Like they got hit on, right? A bunch of different women got hit on by a bunch of different men. And so how do we create a safe space for us to be able to coexist at a conference, for example? where Lisa, McKenna, and myself don't have to think twice about absolutely everything that we're doing or who we're talking to. Or maybe we giggle and somebody thinks that I'm flirting with them, even though I have a wedding ring on. Like, how do we do this, Graham?
3: Well, I think, you know, (laughs) this is a tough one because there are people that I guarantee there's happily married people that met at a conference. So someone hit on somebody and it worked. I think nope. what I, so I think what happens is if if a person's going to a conference and they get hit on, um, you know, I think the real issue becomes when it persists. So when it's not clear that, hey, I'm not interested, I'm I'm married, I'm good, then the guy or gal should stop, right? And that's then it should be to me, that should be pretty clean. It's like, okay, that was a little offside, but we should be able to keep it moving as long as you're not persisting. And I think- but if
0: you're with a client, sorry to interrupt, but if you're with a client or a potential client or whatever, and they say something in my head as a woman, I'm like, do I say something that was totally inappropriate, but I like, what do I do? My boss is standing here. I don't really want to push too hard in the fact that I'm like, guy, like that really wasn't appropriate. Then it gets all awkward. Like these, this is the scenario that goes, as soon as you said that, I'm like, this is what goes through my mind as a woman of second guessing how I handle a situation like that.
3: Okay. So I'll tell you an experience that I had at my office with sexual harassment. And so, and this is super awkward. Not everyone's going to agree with this. Not going to like it, but we talked to a lawyer and one of the things that was asked was like, let's say it was Sarah. So Joe hit on Sarah. Sarah didn't like it, Sarah went to HR. So the lawyer says, did Sarah tell Joe to stop? Did Sarah Mm -hmm. say, don't do that again? Did Sarah say no? And so we had to feed that back to the employee to go like, look, that's how relationships start quite often if someone makes a move. (laughs) If you don't like it, you Mm -hmm. actually have to tell them to stop. It can't be the company, it can be, but it it shouldn't be the company right away because this person is thinking, well, maybe I'll try again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. right? But if Sarah says, Joe, that's offside. I'm married. No, thank you. Please don't do that again. It should be clean and clear. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, so someone should say, well, he shouldn't hit on her at all. But I'm like, well, that's actually, like I said, there's somebody that hit on somebody at my office and they're happily married. So that was great. They Mm -hmm. liked it. But so that's one thing that I think you, you, you can't be afraid of is you have to tell the guy, no. (laughs) And and, and will we,
0: but the the other question is, are we going to have the support of the people around us? Or is it going to yeah. be like, Oh, there Sarah goes again. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs>
3: yeah, I think, yeah. That's, that's the thing that you have to be looking for. It, it's like when you're, have you ever been at a concert and someone's doing something really stupid and it's like, you can handle that yourself or you can go to security, right? Mm-hmm. Like you should probably go to security in that case. In this case, like, I think you do need the support from anyone that's around you. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to say no to that person. It's super awkward. I've seen it live, right? I've seen <laughs> it live. where like, dude, really? Like, I'm married, don't do that. I've seen that happen. And the guy's like, oh my gosh, you know, if he's the right type of person, he's going to be shutting down and not doing that again. And, and mm-hmm. he's got his tail between his legs and he's moving on. But yeah. then you see other people that maybe had four or five drinks and they're now going to keep digging. And they're going to keep, now they're going to sort yeah. of bully the, the female into paying attention to him. And that's, one of us has to say something like, dude, yeah. what are you doing?
0: Yeah, Akshay.
2: Yeah, I think like again, this is this is not exclusive to conferences, but like we 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 did something like this for our team offsite, which is what is people need a reminder, what is the code of conduct, mm. uh, what is appropriate and what is not. Um, it, 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 in this day and age, should be obvious that what is like there should, for most things you need consent, but like I think people don't even think about that. So I, I think like. I I don't see for a lot of supply chain conferences, there's any mention of code of conduct or, or, you know, how you should be in a professional setting. I'll pause
1: there. Lisa. Lisa. I I had a thought about conferences actually. Now that I think about this more, I remember going to the last three conferences, let's say in the last uh, nine months When I arrived at the conference, there were men at even at the women's conference, because there are corporate um, 800 corporations that are there, men that work for women, et cetera. So there were a lot of men there as well as women business owners. That was one conference and then some other business conferences. Now, post-pandemic or where we are now in the journey, in my head, I was debating when I go to these corporate booths to meet people at a network, am I going to shake their hands? Am I going to fist bump? what am I going to do? And what I noticed is more men, so it's a senior VP of somebody that you really want to read as a corporation. And so if he extends his hand, men were quicker to shake the hand. Women, we were more like, you know, I could see women debating, what am I going to do next? And I I found myself in that same position because I'm counting percentages of how many hands did he shake before that? True, I can go to the bathroom and wash it, but you know, it it was sensitive. And so I think about that too. And just the aggressiveness or more boldness, I don't know what we want to call it, of men shaking hands versus potentially a fist bump or just saying hi from a distance.
0: Mm -hmm. That's a really great point. When I play baseball, I fist pump at the end. Everybody else like (laughs) slaps hand and I'm like, absolutely not. Don't touch me. (laughs) Um, But I think in at conferences, because I've been in business, like in a variety of different ways or in industry for a very long time, I don't even think about it anymore. I just go and shake the hand, but I'm very mindful about (laughs) hand sanitizer because I can't, you know, I can't afford to get sick, right? This is what I do for a living. And so I need my voice and I need to make sure that I'm healthy and all that kind of stuff. Um, But you're right. I mean, I don't necessarily think about the handshake per se, but I think about what I need to do after the
1: handshake ah. to keep myself
0: healthy. But right. right. I
1: was thinking, is it unprofessional? Is it unprofessional it to not shake the hand in consideration of the world?
0: I and then know. the hugging, right? The hugging can get a little bit awkward too. Right. Let's do hear you from the men. Let's I? see what
1: they have. Yeah. Do I go let's... to the
0: right? Do you go to the left? Like, <laughs>
3: This whole I, will, I will only do side hugs now, and I think I remember <laughs> that. I think I hugged you when we had lunch, and it's going to be a side hug. I'm not going chest to chest, honestly. I just don't do it, and I'm I give you a little squeeze, like, hey, bro, and, and that's it. I, I'm I'm if if I'm kind of in a hugging motion, but I'm I'm never going straight on.
0: So are you guys thinking about this too? Is this a whole like? Do I shake hand? Do I fist pump? Do I hug? Like, what do I do? Like, is that going through your mind?
3: Actually, uh, uh, I would say a little I, bit, yeah. A little. Are we on hugging terms? You know, like do I know you well enough that we're hugging? <laughs> the first meeting is usually a, a handshake, but I have lots of female friends that I'm hugging with, um, but it's because I've grown to know them, right? Right. Uh, not at uh, the first first time I meet you, I'm not. I'm not even going to try. It. I'm not. Gonna but are you
1: me. shaking their hands the first time you meet them, Graham? Are you fist Yeah, I
3: think, I'm, I think I'm shaking. <laughs> okay. I'm shaking and and tr- I'm trying to. I guess basically. You know, all, all, one of the things I think about Sarah is I used to shake hands softly with a female, <laughs> and then I saw something on Twitter like, "Are you just? Are, do you? Are you just being a wimp, or do you always shake that way? Like, like shake a female with a firm handshake?" And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I should just give them the respect that I would give a man yes. a strong handshake," and but it's usually only if they've extended it.
0: Listen, it's nice to know that you guys have a lot of questions in your minds as well when it comes to certain things. <laughs> this is great. Akshay.
2: Yeah. Hugging definitely can't, I, I agree with Gravity, It's like, depends on the situation. Like I would, you know, I would probably extend the hug to you, Sarah. But like, if I saw you, Lisa, obviously I would like, you know, not. Um, although if a hug was offered to me, I would go for it. Like, so it's um, okay. same thing with the handshake. I will extend the handshake um but if somebody's like they, they they're like fist bump I don't think I would get offended with it because especially in this day and age where like we've gone through COVID and everybody has different tolerances not a problem at all I don't need to think twice about it so uh you know like the hug also Europeans have a different idea around yeah like
0: that just takes it to a and, whole other level <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. That's my. And then point. how many? But, so I, I think like
0: two, three. Is there four? Like you're kind of like dodge and weave. Oh
4: my god, <laughs> McKenna! You guys are making me feel like I'm in the circus or something because I'm like, I'm like. First off, we don't shake hands. If I do, I'm going in for like the American Ninja Warrior handshake, and uh and my industry is just violent. Like I'm just laughing because it's like. Guys are usually in like these massive fist fight brawls by the end of the night oh. or last week we had a, a driver light on fire at a race that I was in and two of the other drivers jumped out and drug him out of the fire like which you actually see kind of unfortunately too, too frequently in our sport and so like I'm usually sitting here thinking like okay if I come on fire which driver might be willing to come and pull me out. Or like how would I be like what would be my ex's strategy? Wow. Like I'm sitting here thinking this and so it's just kind of making me laugh because you all are like this mom handshake and I'm just like <laughs> this by fire. I don't know. Um but uh definitely like we were just joking about this because everybody says I'm a terrible hugger, and I'm like, yeah, that's because I was designed for like everybody like um whenever they imitate me hugging, they always like put their hands really close to themselves and say I'm like a cactus, but but I was like I am in a male dominant <laughs> world and like I try to not you know show too much affection not that, that anybody is awesome. in my world really does but uh but yeah it's just it's it is kind of a a free-for-all um and I have a background in martial arts too so especially in my younger years of racing like it, there was just constant like I don't know you're just roughhousing all the time and that kind of thing but if I'm in a professional setting I'm very much so a handshaker oh you are um okay. oh my gosh yeah, because I usually get compliments like from men on my handshakes just because I do have a pretty firm grip. And nice. so I do feel like for me, it's like a power play when a guy walks up oh. to shake my hand. Like I know for a fact that I can usually like outshake them because to Graham's point, they usually do try to go soft and I make sure to like make it make a point for them to know, you know. And so almost every time they'll make a comment like, oh, nice grip or something like that. And so that's awesome. for me, I don't oh, know if I got, that's my a- approach. I got a
3: question for you. you. Just made me think of something, McKenna is I, I worked with a female consultant for a couple of years and she's a beast in the boardroom. Like she's just like so smart. Like, uh, she can break things down really quickly. And and one thing she told me once is that she was taught early on to never do traditionally female things. Like she will never get the men water. She will never get them. Food. Uh. Um, I'm really curious to how you think about that. Like have you ever been in a boardroom where it's like, Oh, Sarah, would you mind grabbing me? Oh, I
0: have. I I have have. and I got it.
3: Right. uh... she's like, no way. And now I'm super, I'm super sensitive about it where like there's a female on the boardroom. I'm I'm getting up and getting them water. Like I, I, I'm not even asking them. And I thought, Oh wow. Like you can't do those things. Yeah. Because you're going to be treated like, like a traditional, like, sorry, like a housewife or something. And, And I was fascinated by, it. so you said you have been asked at, at a room full of men. You're, you're, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, you, you
4: yeah. It's me. funny that you say that we've just been having this conversation like so much. I hope also nobody working for me ever listens to this, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, we were talking about this. Cause like, we like work in the shop a lot. Like I don't have any full-time mechanics. And so I'll have different guys come and help in the evenings. And so a lot of times, like I've been here all day, which working on race cars is very physical. Like um you know hot sweaty labor and so a lot of times like by evening it's like you know the guys come like they just got off work they're gonna be there all night and dinner is like a conflict because it's like okay now we're all hungry but yet we're on this like limited time frame we got to get these cars done you know so like what do we do about food and I feel like (laughs) it's been on my mind a lot lately because I always think to myself like okay if I was like a male team owner like would anybody expect like roger to go and cook the dinner and bring it you know what i mean like or would it just be like would it look different you know and i've worked for other teams like as a mechanic and it was different you know like when i was on the receiving end of it you know like they just treated you like the rest of the the guys and you would kind of have to fend for yourself like you know maybe bring something whatever and so now i will say and i hate to say this is like a female instinct or whatever um but i do enjoy serving people if i'm able to in that way like i do enjoy like back you know, I used to be a fabricator and like, I used to enjoy baking cookies and bringing them in for the guys or whatever. And so on one hand, I enjoy that. On the other hand though, like in the day today setting, it's kind of like, I've always thought like, should I just say like, okay guys, you guys go get the food. I'll give you money. And like, you bring it back here. Cause like, typically it's, you know, me either doing that or preparing it at home before a race and bringing it to the race or that kind of thing. But again, back to like single pride over here, being single and having you know a home it's like um any guy that works for me is either married or is like a high school kid that has a family right well I'm the only one that has to go home like I have to do my own laundry I have to cook my own food like I have to clean my house you know like do all those adulting things like I don't have a spouse to do that and I have to work on the race cars and take care of the trucks the trailers the coffee company the foundations you know all the things and so I think for me it's like I go from You know, tuning an engine or running valves or whatever to uh, cook the dinner to then going home and trying to do like the housekeeping stuff. And so I think it is like an interesting dynamic because I think I have that instinct of like, okay, I enjoy serving people, I enjoy cooking, I enjoy caring for people, you know? But then there's also that part of me that wrestles with it of like, you know, should I be like, the other team owners though and just be like okay you like what would it look like I guess for the men to take initiative in that in that setting yeah and to be like you know what I'm gonna go get the food you know everybody pitching some money. yeah but I don't think it has to be either or I think, right, you know, right. one day you can
0: decide that I feel like cooking and I'm going to serve people and that's fine. And then the next day you can be like, buddy, I need you to go get a pizza. Anyway, we yeah, are just, coming. I'm just,
3: go I'm ahead. Gonna real quick, McKenna. It's so okay. funny. You just triggered something like a thought on mine. I have a sales rep that sells stuff to my company and she brings me chocolate chip cookies. She knows I love chocolate. She brings me chocolate chip cookies. And now I'm going to actually ask her, do you do that for any females? Ah. It, it is, and I would buy anything off her. Like, I love her. Like, as a person, yeah. she's a fantastic per- human being. But that little extra thought is like, wow, she learned that about me. Right. I've never had a guy bring me chocolate chip cookies.
4: Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> Donuts, Which I, Yeah, I yeah, like, to and your so point.
3: Super interesting.
4: Yeah, and like, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing, right? Like, I don't think it has to be like, oh my gosh, like, it shouldn't be that way. Like, I think it's totally fine. Like, and I do think a lot of it is like instinct and stuff. But I think there's also that like relational especially when it comes to like professional settings like what does it look like i think that's my biggest thing in general in life is when it comes to gender is it's not so much about like personal as much as it is like okay in a professional setting like what should this look like and i think sometimes like wrestling with those answers like can be a challenge
2: yeah i think i i think sarah's a good point where we what i'm hearing is there's there needs to be fluidity in -hmm. these roles and we need to create the circumstance to do that. I could I think like McKenna, you were talking about you want to dress up in certain situations and you don't, and you want to be fluid, but it's kind of challenging to figure out which situation is appropriate to do that. And um, yeah. maybe we should challenge that and and like a question would be maybe you can ask your team members what do they feel how do they feel about that? Uh, yeah. So yeah. that's I, kind of my takeaway here. Is,
0: Okay, well, we are coming down to the wire. So I have one more question for each one of you. What is one thing? Because we could talk about this, I think, for hours. I put together a really great group, and I'm so glad that each one of you said yes for this conversation because it's been amazing. But what is one thing that you think that the audience should take away thinking about, maybe starting a conversation on, taking action, um, from this particular conversation today. Lisa, I'm going to start with you.
1: From this conversation today, I would like to leave with the audience to think about how you can represent your authentic self in in your in all of your business dealings and your situations, so that you can continue to help inspire others to bring their authentic self. So just self-examination and thinking how you can support others, but also support yourself. Amazing. I love that. David.
5: Um, I would say kind of what I started with, um, that men should, when we hear things like this, just listen to it, think about what we should be thinking about, and don't try to pick apart, well, you don't need to worry about at night necessarily thinking about the weapon and your keys and like trying to go through that. Just listen to it and believe it and try to be more conscious. Just try to be more conscious of it um, moving forward
0: believe it. That is a key, key, key word that we didn't really talk about today, but believing somebody when they tell you something has happened or they're thinking about something or whatever, that is a really, really good point. All right, Graham.
3: You know, I, what I'm thinking about right now is what uh, actually, what Akshay said about this code of conduct idea at Mm -hmm. events, um, conferences, work retreats. I really like that. It's sort of setting the tone. Like this is how we roll. We're creating a safe environment for everybody. Um, that's given me a lot to to think about.
0: Awesome. Thank you, McKenna.
4: But no, I think, like I said, just not being defensive necessarily about like, like if you feel like something applies to you, like, what does it look like to not be defensive, but just to like ask yourself, like, how can I better respect those around me? How can I better respect myself? And then also how can I admire those around me and how can I admire myself? I think is something, you know, that I see, right? Like, I think it's important to learn, like, am I respecting, these people and the way I best know how. Um, and if not, like, how can I change that? Cause I think that's kind of what a lot of it, you know, comes down to. And then just, and then for things that are different, it's like, you don't necessarily have to change it. Right. But it's like, okay, how can I admire that person for how their lifestyle is different or how their gender might lead to some different things than what mine is? Like, how can I just respect that and not have to change it? Awesome. Thank you. Akshay, last but not least.
2: I think similarly. what what we were just talking about is this is maybe first foremost personal challenge for me is to catch myself in those moments where um, I can take up on a role that I'm typically not, you know, like let's say cleaning the house after a dinner party. It's very common that a lot of women will start doing that. And maybe I can just like, Hey, guys, hang out. Let me clean. You know, just as an example. And I would, I would say, uh, I would pose that challenge to other folks as well.
0: Amazing. Well, that was a tough one. It can be difficult to have these kinds of conversations because some people start to feel threatened. Certain observations might feel like an attack, but we aren't here to point fingers or place blame. We're here to share openly and honestly about the experiences we have. And unfortunately fear, lack of opportunity and daily obstacles are a reality for lots of women. And only by having these conversations, can we start to educate each other overcome those obstacles and create a level playing field that benefits us all men and women. Remember that you can reach out to me or any of the guests on social media if you have anything that you'd like to add to what we've talked about today. And remember to join us again next time for episode 38 of Blended, when we'll be talking about microaggression. The panel will be sharing their experiences and we'll be discussing what microaggression actually means, its impact on people, work and community, and how we can recognize and respond to microaggression in the workplace to create more harmonious environments for everyone. I don't think there's many people out there who haven't experienced microaggression in one way or another, and this is going to be a very valuable episode. So make sure that you don't miss it. Thank you to David, Lisa, Akshay, Makeda, and Graham for showing up today, being brave, being courageous, and sharing all your insights with us. So thanks so much for joining me.